Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 174, and this week we are pleased to have Mr. Scott Gazinski, the head girls basketball coach at Oakland Craig High School, and uh, it's, a, it's a fine Sunday morning that we're taping this on, and it's uh, going to be a great conversation here today. Uh, before we get to Coach Guz, we, uh, of course, want to uh, thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, go in and see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. Uh, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, of course, you're on iTunes. So download, rate, review, give us five stars when people look up Coaching Basketball Podcasts or Basketball Podcasts. The more that we get good reviews and good ratings and high subscription numbers, the easier it is for folks to know about a pen and a napkin, so please do so. And then, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Gus, how you doing this morning, my man? I'm doing very well. I already went to church with my family, so I'm home from that. And got a day of going to watch my third daughter play some basketball today down in Lincoln later on today. So more basketball doesn't ever stop, does yeah. it? Yeah, no, no. Dude, I, I just I just hope you prayed for me a little bit while you were at church because well, I need it. Yeah, I think coaches always need a few prayers. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get going here, guys. Let's uh, let's jump in on on uh, on, our, on our stuff here today. Uh, looking forward to this conversation. Should be a really good one. Uh, you know, for the you know, we'll we'll kind of start the way we normally do. Uh, for for folks that don't know a lot about you, about your career, uh, your your basketball journey, uh, tell us how you are are have now ended up being the the head girls basketball coach at Oakland Craig High School. Well, I started out as I think I always wanted to be a football coach, and I still am a football coach. I'm an assistant football coach here at Oakland Craig, but um, so I started out in Bennington in 1998. Uh, coaching boys basketball. I was an assistant for Larry Claus and um, he was a great person to work for at that time. I mean, I just learned a ton from him. I learned a lot about, you know, how to treat kids and not just about basketball, but just about, you know, building the program and the right things to do. And, and if you know anything about 1998 and the capital conference, Wahoo was in that conference during that time. So um, I think his first two games of the year, every year he was the coach, were against Wahoo and Elkhorn Mount Michael. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for he was, I mean, so he had to, you know, really build a program there to compete with some of those teams. So I went from there to uh, Valley High School, which turned into D.C. West. Um, I got into coaching girls basketball there for a couple of years. And um, after I was there, I actually went to work for Dana College, and I was a football coach at Dana College mm-hmm. uh, for, for one year. I went from there to Plainview High School, where I was the athletic director, and I coached uh, football up there. And then I ended up back in my hometown after that at Takema Herman, and um, I taught at Takema Herman for 10 years. And um, I again, I was coaching boys basketball as an assistant uh, with Stan Mankey, and Mike Bryant, who was the girls basketball coach at the time, uh, retired. And so I took over the head girls coaching job there. Um, I have four daughters, so just made sense. I was at girls basketball stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I left Tacoma, and I got a, a, on staff here at Oakland Craig. Um, I've been an assistant, or I was an assistant for Joe Anderson for a couple of years, uh, but he's also the head football coach here. Mm-hmm. So um, he wanted to step away from that and become an assistant coach, so I took over for him. So sure. I've been a head coach here for, I think this last year was my third year of coaching, uh, yeah. the head girls basketball coach here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've you've uh, you've uh, rendered a few U-Hauls along the way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, nothing, a, nothing wrong with that. I've learned a lot. So yeah. Well, well, that was that was well, you, Guz. You read my mind here. Uh, you know, uh, as you've as you've grown, as you've gotten older, as you've. You know, as we as we say, I don't. I, sorry, I used the O word with you there. My no, apologies. It's okay. I'm, I'm old. I yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. We, we like to call it seasoned or experienced here <laughs> on a go. pen and there a napkin. Uh, but you know, what have you? How how do you feel like you have uh, grown? How do you feel your progression as a coach has 
uh, you just just your progression as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel that has developed uh, mm-hmm. since Valley? So, you know, starting in Bennington yeah. and becoming a head coach at Valley, mm-hmm. and then then Takema and and so forth and so on. You know, how mm-hmm. do you how do you, what what are some things that you see in yourself looking back on that? Hey, you know, I've I've really progressed with that. I think more than anything, I figured out that you know, in 25 years of education and coaching that we're really in the relationship business more than anything mm-hmm. and how we treat each other and the kids and just, just, you know, treating them how to be good teammates and or teaching them rather how to be good teammates and how, you know, you have to be happy for your teammate when they do something good and, and how, you know, everybody has a role and you may not be the star, but you're still really, really important to the team and those kinds of things. So I think more than anything, you know, the X's and O's, I think that changes, you know, where you go and what your personnel is every year and you have to do different things. But I think that relationship piece um, is probably the biggest thing that I keep coming back to. And then just, you know, teaching kids how to give themselves some grace. You don't always have to be perfect. We're not always going to do everything right. And it's okay if that's the case and you know coaches are the same way I'm going to make mistakes and we're going to move on and you know we're going to win some we're going to lose some and if the worst thing that happens to us today is that we lose a basketball game that our lives are probably pretty darn good yeah (laughs) so you know I think that more than anything just how to treat people how to deal with parents how to um, get kids to believe in themselves has been something that I've really you know become better at over the years just the perspective part of it guys yeah i mean i really do i i mean i've i've coached teams where we've won a, a bunch of games the past couple of years i've uh, you know I've, I've coached teams where we haven't won very many games in the past but you know those kids are just as important to me as any of the kids that i've ever coached and i just think that that's i you know to know that it, their, their their value is not in whether we win or lose the games or not i think is really really important yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I think when you're a young coach, you you, and and we're all graded by the scoreboard. Even even us experienced oh, yeah. guys, we're we're still graded mm-hmm. by the scoreboard. But Absolutely. we also start to develop that uh, perception or that perspective. Excuse me, that mm-hmm. it's not just about the scoreboard. You know, no. in, in in most cases. Absolutely, I I mean I agree with that, and I mean we all want to win and. And, you know, you take the time, I mean, you know, I've obviously learned about things like preparation, you know, how to manage my time when you've got three games a week and how do you prepare for teams and, um, you know, how to use your assistance to help you prepare for teams and those kinds of things too. But, you know, it, it, you know, in the end, it all comes back to when we get done with the season, we all, you know, we want to feel good about our kids. We want to feel good about each other. We want to feel good about our program and, so that's what I'm trying to do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you, um, I can't remember if you said it when you were kind of giving your, your, your resume, your background, your basketball <clears throat> journey there, but you, you, I, I think you said it about Plainview, but I don't know if you said it about Takema, where you were an activities director for, yeah. uh, at, at those two places at, mm-hmm. uh, for, for X amount of time uh, at both of them. And, I would think that being the activities director also probably changed your coaching philosophy, made you adjust things, made you think about things differently. You're, you know, just, just tell us a little bit about that experience and how that maybe has, has affected your, your coaching philosophy and how you do things. Well, I think when you're an AD and I'm really, really blessed here at the game or at, at Oakland Craig, rather, we have an awesome AD. Mike Selk's awesome uh-huh. because I think, I think he does like, he's always thinking about what's best for kids. Like how do we make this experience be the best that we can, that it can be for kids? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be the schedule or how we run our practices or, you know, our practice schedules or any of those kinds of things. So I just think, you know, when you're an AD, you kind of get big picture of all of these things that have to mesh together. You know, when, when I'm just a girls basketball coach, maybe I'm not thinking about like, 
you know, the play production team or the speech team and how they have to have practice too. And how some of those kids have to be shared between one program and another, Uh you know, and how do we make kids not choose activities if they're good at more than one thing and things like that. So I think being an AD helped me with a lot of that stuff. It just gave me a, a lot better view of the big picture of the whole program and how kids fit into more than one spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that, and, and that's something I've always tried to do personally, is when I'm thinking about what is good for my program, I also think that it's important that you think about other sports. And, and not mm-hmm. only that, like you were saying, other activities. What yeah. does one act need from me? Can I give something here to one act? Uh, or to the to the show choir or whatever it may be, so that I can build trust and 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 a good relationship with them, so that when I need something, inevitably, and we're all going to need something from somebody, especially you and I who are in small schools, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, there there's a, a pattern of goodwill that you can establish that will help make that better, don't you think? Absolutely, because I mean, we preach all the time. We want kids to be multi sport athletes. We want kids to be in multiple activities, and it's you know, we don't want to punish kids for, for being in more than one activity and, and we don't want to make them choose either. So Correct. that's good. I mean, that's one of my, my favorite things about being here at Oakland Craig is our, our weight lifting program, I think in the summer and all the stuff that we do in the summer. Cause I have a lot of kids that are volleyball kids and I have a lot of kids that are softball kids. Um, I feel like we do a really, really good job of working together and just not, I mean, it can be overwhelming as you know, June, you're a three sport athlete you're you're doing three sports in one day instead of just one like you are during this during the season so that makes it difficult but i think we do a really good job here of working together for stuff like that Mm -hmm. what are some what are some you know key things that you took watching another coach so so when you're an ad you're you know and i don't know did were you still a a head coach in, in any sports while you were an ad guys um, I was the head football coach. I was the head football coach and the head girls basketball coach while I was the athletic director. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So while you were an AD and you were, you know, you were watching the baseball coach or you were watching the, the band director or what are, what are some, you know, perhaps what are a couple of examples of things that you learned watching somebody else coaching or developing their program that you eventually took into your program or is there anything that you can think of in that regard? Um, yeah, I just think when you look at people who are good coaches or good teachers, I just think that you just realize that they're all in, like there are people who, there are people who are giving up, you know, their time. They're the first people to to get to the building and they're the last people to leave, you know? Mm -hmm. And you, you can't halfway it. Like you've got to prepare. Um, I'm just thinking of like how many, how many hours of film, like, you know, the football coaches watch or things, you know, things of that nature. It's just, I just think you have to be all in. It's not one of those things where you can, you know, be worried about how many hours you're working or, you know, things like that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and again, I think it comes back to good coaches or good teachers too. Like, Mm-hmm. You see those you see those people in the cra- in the classroom building relationships with kids. They're the classes that kids like to go to. Yeah. And then you realize why they're good coaches yeah. because they they can do that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs, and now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Guys, you put down about four different people and you mentioned one or two already, but I want to go down your list here of, of okay. folks that, that you have, 
learned a lot from that you have taken a lot from it and just kind of explain you wrote it down for me uh but, okay. but i want you to tell everybody else coach so uh let's start with <laughs> let, let's start with michael hunt uh what, what, what do you take from michael hunt that has helped make you a better coach well he was my high school football coach and he was probably one of the most direct people that I've ever worked with. Um, I mean, he was his, that was his, his coaching style was he, if he needed something from you, he would look you in the eye and he would tell you exactly what it was. And it, you know, sometimes it wasn't necessarily pleasant, <laughs> something that was pleasant to hear, but um, just the intensity that he brought and um, just, you know, he, he passed away last summer, um, which was which, which was really hard for me. But, um, it, you know, up to that point, any time that I would have saw him, if he would have asked me for anything, I would have done it. He was just one of those guys that you run through a wall for, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. I mean, he, he just, I don't know, it's hard to explain. You've had good coaches and you build relationships with those people. But basically, I can remember things that he said to me that helped build me up. From the time that I was in seventh grade until I graduated from high school, I can remember specific things that he said to me that just gave me confidence in myself and made me believe in myself. And, you know, he was the reason that I became a coach and a teacher because of him and and uh, probably Guy Mitty at Kama Herman. Guy Mitty was the wrestling coach there at the time. He was maybe the best teacher I ever had. So Mm -hmm. just, you know, that piece of it, I think, is was really awesome. Mm -hmm. How about Greg Bond? Greg was the first guy, the first head coach I ever worked for. He was he was a football coach in Bennington, and he came there from Millard. Um, and he was kind of a more soft-spoken guy, which was kind of the opposite of what I was used to. Sure, but it it, it kind of just made it kind of just exposed me to some different, like a different style. Like he was less in your face. Like my head coach was, you know, one of those guys who was really intense and in your face and Greg could get intense, but he just wasn't quite as loud about it. You know what I mean? But he was always prepared and he always treated kids the right way. And, you know, when you're, when you come out of college and you become a coach, I thought I knew so much about what I was doing <laughs> and I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. Like he said, go coach the running backs. And I'm like, well, I can do that. And then practice, you know, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I need to really do some research here and find out what I need to learn to teach these kids what they need to know. And so for three years or four years, rather under him, I just kind of, I just dove in and tried to learn as much as I could. And, and, and that was awesome. He let me do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Klaus, and you kind of mentioned him a little yeah. bit earlier. Yeah, Larry, like I said, you know, he was coaching in the in the Capital Conference, and everybody was running the one three one, and Larry was a man to man guy, and I love him for that because I'm a man to man guy now, and I I will always be a man to man guy. So um, he taught me a ton about that, it, but again, it was it was more than the X's and O's. It was just you know his his being. Uh, believing in me, he gave me the freshman team. So we actually had our separate practices from the varsity at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I got to coach my own group of kids for, you know, two or three years. And it was a really, you know, the first time that I got to do that. So I had to organize my own practices. I had to write my own practice schedules. I had, I got, you know, I had to drive the van and take the kids to the game for the first time, you know, all of those things that were first time things. And he allowed me to do that. So I'll forever be grateful to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Joe Anderson. I tell you, I work with Joe now, and I don't want him to get a big head if he listens to this. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, there is no one that prepares harder or more than he prepares. He, you know, if I watch six hours of film, he watches eight. If I watch eight, he'll watch ten. He just he pays so much attention to detail and. And, you know, so I'm just really just trying to keep up with him. And he he has an ability or a, a knack to 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 get kids to do things, I think, that that normal people can't get kids to do. And I, I don't really know how to explain it, um, but he also invests a ton in kids. Like right now, he's our junior high track coach. Yeah. Well, you know, some people coach junior high track. They just, you know, they throw kids in events and they just go to the track meet and they sit in a lawn chair and they watch, you know? Yeah. 
he literally, I mean, he is coaching every kid that he can coach all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he does that in the weight room. You know, he, he does that in junior high track. He treats junior high track just like he treats varsity football. And a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> but he well, does. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's hard to bring that energy, but that's what the great yeah. ones do. It is. It is. And and I wouldn't be able I mean, I I've you know, I coached football, I coached girls basketball. When girls basketball got over, I'm like, I need to sit down and take a nap or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and the day after we get done with, you know, uh high school football or I'm sorry, high school girls basketball, you know, that Monday during eighth period activities period, he's coaching junior high track. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he just he he's that guy. I mean yeah. And and he, he's great to work with. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. And, and you know what? And that shows. I mean, that shows that. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, he's he's built a heck of a football program there. You guys have yeah. been really really good. And and yeah. it, you know that's yeah. And, and part of that is I'm you know his personality, but but it's it's also that's what you have to do if you truly want to be great. You can't. You know, you can't take any days off. What a, you know, what's the old saying yeah. in, in basketball? The 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 two or three people that can't have a bad day in practice are the head coach, the point guard, and your best player. You know, and, and there's there a lot of go. truth to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and so you you stepped in for Joe, and mm-hmm. you were his assistant, and you guys have had a really really good run. Um, and then, you know, but, but you're stepping into a, a situation, which is a little bit different than what you had at Valley, different than what you had at Takema Herman, uh, where you had a group that was not only expected to be good, but really, really good, you know, com- compete for state mm-hmm. championship good. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what was that like for you? Kind of stepping in, you know, a lot of people think, oh, man, that's great. That's easy. That's got to be awesome. But... <laughs> There's a lot more that goes into it than than that. So, and, and I know it's different for everybody else. But what what was that? What's that been like for you? Well, yeah, and you know, Oakland Craig hasn't had a ton of tradition in girls basketball. You know, a, a ton of success necessarily until recently. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. Maybe six years ago, seven years ago, Joe took the OC girls to state for the first time. That would have been when Daisy Nelson was a freshman. Mm-hmm. I can't, I wasn't here when that happened. Um, but, and then the next year they got beat in a district final. And then the next year they went back to state again, I believe. Anyway, you know, like you said, there was, there, there was a lot of success there. And when I was an assistant, I think we went two years in a row, we got third place and then we got fourth place and then we're coming back and we're supposed to be good. And I become the head coach. And the first year that I was a head coach, we really struggled. We only went, we were 11 and 12 that year. Uh Um, And we had some injuries. Um, You know, Cheney Nelson got hurt and Sadie Nelson got hurt. And so we had some some of that stuff. But it was, you know, it was difficult, I think, for me, just because I did really think that we had a chance to have a, a lot of success and that it didn't really go the way that I wanted it to go that first year. Mm-hmm. But, it, but I think more than anything, it just made me more determined to continue to prepare and just dedicate myself to what I believed in as far as what we needed to do offensively and defensively to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the following year, you know, we, we made it to state and then this year we made it to state and, and those are, you know, awesome years. And just because, you know, I, it, it's the kids. I mean, the kids, the kids that I had this past season had put in so much time from when they were, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade, you know, in the summer and all that stuff. I mean, so it, it, it's that. Um, and I really believe that state, the state tournament, making it to the state tournament is just, I, it's just a huge reward for the season. You know what I mean? Like I, I never know what's going to happen when we get there. You know what I mean? Sure. Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> I've been an assistant on some other teams that have gone in the past, and it's like, boy, you really would like to win, but even if we don't, like, this is just a huge reward to get to do this for the kids. So, anyway, I don't know if I answer your question. I <laughs> No, no. I mean, I, no. It, I mean, it, it just kind of evolved from that first year where we went 11 and 12, and it really did make me more, I guess, resolute to 
dedicate myself to. This is what we need to do. We are going to dedicate ourselves to running transition every single time. And we are going to dedicate ourselves to pressure defense every single time. And that's what we've worked on for like the past two and a half years. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now you're in a situation where uh, you made the, a really good run. Uh, you you lost a really, really tough state championship game. I mean, it was truly a 50-50 game. And, and you know, unfortunately for you guys, Pender just made a few more plays uh, down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. There. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were really good. Um, but now you've, you've lost – uh, you, you're graduating three. I don't know how many seniors. I can't remember how many seniors. I have five seniors. Five, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. and they they all played a lot. I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm I'm trying yeah, to remember were, from the your, the, all, the waxing that you guys starters, gave us. So. For the most part, we had we had one that didn't start the whole year this year, but they were pretty much. I mean, they were five mm-hmm. of our top eight kids. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So which is <laughs> which is music to my ears. I'm going to be honest with you <laughs> about that. So. But uh, you know, you've. Uh, you're losing a lot. The Nelson twins are really, really good, and and, yep. and your daughter, and and so forth and so on. Um, so you lose this tough game. You're you're losing a a, a good percentage of your contributors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you What have you talked about? What have you prepared for? You know, this spring, preparing yourself for about a month from now, where you start doing your your summer stuff, and, mm-hmm. and just that process of trying to uh, continue to keep the program at a high level. Yeah, that's going to be a definitely going to be a challenge. Um, you know, it we we had a lot of success last year in the lower levels. We went sixteen and zero in the JV, so that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had some really good freshman kids that that uh we had and 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 uh i think that one thing about it is we had some juniors last year who maybe didn't get to play a ton but i think they're really really excited about the opportunity to now get to step up you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um even though they maybe didn't get to, to play as much last year as they did but i think it goes back to kind of what i mentioned before like we've kind of dedicated our program not kind of dedicated we've dedicated our program to playing a certain way mm-hmm. like we're gonna we are going to try to play fast we're always going to outlet the ball going forward we are always going to you know run transition mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to uh you have an identity uh, play full court play full court i'm sorry but yeah i said you have an identity yeah, we have an identity exactly. We, the three words that we use are: we now have precedent, we have culture, and we have expectations. So now that we have precedent, culture, and expectations, it doesn't matter who's wearing the uniform. That's what we've got to do. This is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So you know, I know that those kids will show up in the weight room because they always do. We'll have the weight room open three times a day during the summer, and all of my girls will be there every day that they can be some of them are golfers some of them are volleyball players some so you know they might miss a day or two here and there but they will all be there Mm -hmm. um we'll have open gyms every monday and thursday they'll be there we'll have team camp you know they always show up that's one of my favorite things about being here at open craig is we're gonna have 14 kids on our team and when we have open gym all 14 of them will be there Mm -hmm. and when we have team camp all 14 of them will be there and when we have the weight room open, all 14 of them will be there. And that's just how they do it. That's just how we do it. So um, I'm really excited about seeing some of those younger kids get to step up. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that we're going to go 25-0 and 0 or something. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just saying, you know, there's going to be some growing pains. And our conference is harder than heck. We, you know, we play Clarkson Lee before Christmas. We play Pender before Christmas. We'll get to play North Bend, which means same thing. They'll, they lost some kids, but they're going to be awesome again. So we'll have tough games, but again, I think we have that culture where they expect to win. They hate losing. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, that, that they'll, they'll show up and work hard for it. Yep. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. 
I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. All right. Hey, guys, at this time, you know, just as, as, as well as I do, it's time for the John Wooden quote of the day here. Uh, <laughs> from Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Uh, Scott, you ready to roll with this one? Yeah. Okay. All right. So from page 29 of Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Here is your quote. It's a little bit longer, uh, but so so try to try to pay attention here early Sunday morning. Here, so. Okay. <laughs> what yeah. quote of the day is? Perfection is what you are striving for, but perfection is an impossibility. However, striving for perfection is not an impossibility. Do the best you can under the conditions that exist. That is what counts. Okay, what am I supposed to do with that, Coach? <laughs> hey, tell me what you think of that quote. I, I like it. I mean, I think it goes back to what we talked about before about uh, how kids, you know, you're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to do everything right. Mm-hmm. You, you have to give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's okay to make a mistake. And, you know... If I have a relationship with a kid, we've t- I've talked to her a lot about relationships. If I have a relationship with a kid, if I'm coaching you, if I'm getting on you a little bit because that's my job, you know, realize that I don't expect you to be perfect. I just, I just want you to do your best, and that's mm-hmm. you know, if that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 let's yeah, you know, it's we never coach a perfect game. Players never no. play a perfect game, but. We need to continue to strive to be as good as we can be, uh, to, to you know, and and to concentrate on every single possession, whether you're up one or down one or up forty or down forty, and everything in between. And and I and I think that's such an important lesson to learn and an important thing to keep in mind. So I think that's a hard that's a hard thing nowadays, isn't it, Coach? Like like everybody thinks that they're a finished product. Like yeah, I'm on the I'm on the JV, but I'm so I'm unhappy, you know, I, I, you know, it's like, I try to say that to kids. You're, you're not, none of us are a finished product. Like I'm not a finished product. We just need to keep working and getting better. So anyway, yeah. no, 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 I, I agree with you. And, and, and we're, you know, at our place, we're, we're pretty boring when it comes to that. We just, we just try to keep the emphasis on, you know, let's get 1% better today. Yeah. Um, let's get 1% better today. And if we have 20 kids in the gym, that get all everybody gets one percent better. Well, that means as a program, in theory, we're twenty percent better today. Uh, which means if we do that for five days, we should be a hundred percent better as a program than we were five days ago. And yeah. and that's what we strive to do. That's not going to be a perfect process. That's not going to be a linear process. But kind of getting back to the wooden thing, as long as we're striving for that, as long as we're trying to keep things moving forward. That's that's all we can ask for yeah. from the kids, and 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 I don't think, I don't know, I don't know what you think, Gus, but you know, I I think that that should be the bare minimum of the expectation. That if we're not yeah. asking for that, then we're not doing our jobs, and we're doing a disservice to the kids. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. If you're not if you're not getting better, you're just going through the motions, and that's the opposite of what we want to do. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, hey. Uh, coach, let's get into your uh, let's get into your philosophy here a little bit. Uh, you talked a lot about transition, and so therefore, I want to yeah. talk a lot about transition with you here. Gotcha. Uh, let's uh, let's let's talk about your transition offensive philosophy. Um, as I always say at this point, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. Let you let you roll with this. Uh, okay. If if I have a question, I'll try to politely interrupt. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of let you cook here, Guz, and and, and mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your. Uh, transition philosophy and, and how you're playing end to end there at Oakland Craig. 
Yeah, and I don't know that we're doing anything that's groundbreaking or, you know, because what we do is not real complicated. I, I feel like we just emphasize it a lot. We spend a lot of time on it. I mean, we just run a simple sideline break, I but we spend a ton of time on it. It's the first thing that we do at practice every single day is run transition. We run a five-man transition, you know, tell our wings to run wide, um, you know, make our point guard sweep. You know, we're trying to get the ball down the sideline. If we can't get the ball down the sideline with that first pass, then we're making a diagonal pass. And, you know, we have one girl that gets to be a rim runner that gets to run to the rim. But we just try more than anything to just emphasize we always want to be going towards our basket. Like we never want to outlet the ball backwards and we don't want to be dribbling when we can be passing because it doesn't matter how fast you can dribble. Mm -hmm. The pass is always faster. So we're just constantly working on that. We're doing that in five man drills at the beginning of practice. We're doing that with, uh, we have a thing called, we call three man transition. I mean, we just, we're always going forward and we try to incorporate some kind of transition pretty much into every half court offensive drill that we run. So if we're working on two, three zone offense or man offense, we're almost always going to ODO. So we're going offense, defense, offense. So we can always run transition after we do that. So it's just, you know, one of those things that we just work on constantly every single day. So, I mean, our thing is we just say, let's go fast. We, we try to go as fast as we can. Uh, the frustrating thing about that sometimes is you have to be willing to take a few turnovers if mm-hmm. you're going to do that, Yeah, especially, especially early in the season. Um, you know, we throw the ball away sometimes, but I always tell them, if we throw it out of bounds, over our heads, going towards our basket, at least the other team can't get a score going back the other way. Mm-hmm. At least we get a chance to play defense before, you know, before that happens. So that's pretty much what we do with our transition. I mean, it's not, it's not anything that's, you know, groundbreaking. It's just something that we just work on a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some, you know, are, are you uh, when you when you're saying that ODO? Are you doing like? Uh, hey, ball on the side, let's inbound it, and then we're going offense, defense, offense, uh, regardless of what happens, uh, you know, that type of thing? Or what are some different ways that you set up those transition opportunities in practice? Um, we'll either start with a free throw. We might start with a free throw and go ODO. Um, that way we can work on our press as well while we're doing it because we'll press off made baskets and missed baskets, and we do different things off each one. Um, sometimes we'll just start with, you know, we'll just give one of the teams the ball at half court for the first offensive possession and, and we'll go from there. Um, sometimes it'll be a situation where we'll try to give the offense an advantage. Um, it's a drill that we call OKC where we'll go, you know, we'll make one of the girls run and touch the baseline, you know, and, and we'll have, you know, so we'll end up with a five on four situation or sometimes we'll do it four on three. Yeah. Um, so we set it up a lot of different ways. But pretty much the first 30 to 35 minutes of our practice every single day is just transition stuff. That's all we do from the beginning. At the beginning, the first drill that we do is a full court transition drill after we do our warm up. Uh-huh. Do, uh, do you have, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, it, it's got to be easy to convince your kids to play that way. It is because. I don't ever tell I, I don't ever tell kids not to shoot. Like I we talk about what a good shot looks like. Like if you can get a layup, obviously that's a good shot. If we've gotten the ball to both sides of the court, you can shoot it. If we've got the ball in the paint and we kick it out, you can shoot it. So um last year we shot six hundred and four threes, mm-hmm. which is a lot of freaking threes. Yeah. <laughs> It was probably And I felt like when you played us, you hit 605 of them. (laughs) Well, and typically early in the year, we don't shoot very well. Like, because so many of our kids are like volleyball players, golfers. They don't get a lot of shots in the fall, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, after Christmas, we always see our shooting percentage go up. Mm -hmm. Like, 2 or 3%, which is awesome. Because, you know, I said, we spend probably the first third of our practice on transition stuff the second third of our practice we almost always spend on shooting like we're finishing we start with finishing around the basket and then we 
we do a lot of partner shooting. We do a lot of different shooting stuff. But anyway, yeah, the kids love to play that way. Like you, you don't have to convince them very much to, you know, you're going to get layups. You're going to get, you know, get to shoot open threes. I mean, everybody wants to take shots. So yeah. they're, they're all in on that. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I, I, and, 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 and I think another big advantage of, playing an aggressive transition offensive system is it gives you a chance to play a lot of kids too, which keeps your kids engaged. Yeah. Is that part of yeah. the method behind your madness as well? I think so. You know, and I, I gotta be honest, I'm not real great. I mean, we play eight or nine kids. Usually mm-hmm. I probably could have played a few more. Um, but when you have, you know, I had two kids that were first team all class C two, So it's like, yeah. you're not going to take it's them hard, off the floor. It's hard to much. take those kids out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so, you know, I had kids that were freshmen that four or five years ago would have got to play a ton on our team that maybe didn't get to play as much this year just because we had the five seniors. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, in, you know, JV wise, even we had, you know, just buy in with that and playing a ton of kids and everybody gets to play and, and we get up and down pretty good. So it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, and 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 I agree with you. You know, we're we're trying to get where you're at, and I, and I think we're we're inching closer to where you know, like you had the luxury and uh, where you have your five seniors that have contributed a lot, mm-hmm. and you know, I I think in in two years, I, I feel like we've got a pretty nice uh, seventh grade class. Of kids are going to be in eighth grade, mm-hmm. uh, but instead of them coming in as freshmen and expecting X amount of them to contribute, pretty you know, a lot as freshmen, Hey, just mm-hmm. keep playing together at the JV level for a year. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think, you know, you're talking about going 16 and zero at the JV. That's a nice luxury to have where those younger kids who, you know, would be okay. Freshmen at the varsity level now get to grow at their own pace and don't feel like they have to be rushed with anything within, yeah. within your philosophy. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about that. I mean, like, we don't ever want to practice losing. Like, we want to win. And and again, I'll go back to Joe. I mean, I was lucky to – I mean, Joe was my JV coach. So, I mean, he's all in on winning. He's doing everything he can with those younger kids to to win the JV games. You know, so, I mean, that's important. I think another thing that people – maybe is a misconception is, like, people think you have to have, like, these really fast kids or these really athletic kids to run transition. I think I just think you have to convince kids to run from one end to the other as hard as they can. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. Because we don't have, you know, I'll go back to North Bend. You know, North Bend has some kids on their team that are just freakish athletes, like Caitlin Emanuel, mm-hmm. who is, you know, she's an awesome kid and a really freakish athlete. We don't have anybody on our team that's like that. I mean, I had Cheney Nelson, who's a really good athlete. Um, you know, she'll go to the state track meet and stuff. But most of my kids are... You know, they're five, seven average speed kids. But I think if you can convince them to, you know, how good would you be if you just sprint from one end to the other as fast as you can every single time? Yeah. And then after they get a couple of layups, then they're like, hey, I'm going to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so. Plus. You know, it's not like we've got kids that are, you know, winning the 100 yard dash around here, you know? And that's why I think when we play teams like Pender and North Bend, you know, we have trouble sometimes because, you know, like Maya Dolliver from Pender, she's a really, really good athlete. She, you know, runs a hundred yard dash at a conference track meet and does really, really well. And so, you know, obviously it's harder to run transition against those kind of teams than it is against some others. So, yeah, but I, I, yeah. I think you're right that like the misconception is even on the defensive side of things. And let's talk a little defense yeah. out of this, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to have X amount of super athletes to to press. Well, no, you can adjust adjust your pressing system depending on your athleticism. And obviously, the more athletic you are, usually the more aggressive you can be. Mm-hmm. But you can press with about any group if you have the mentality that you want to install it and that the kids have the mentality that they want to do well at it. Yeah. And I think that the word that you said there that's probably the most important word to me is the word aggressive because mm-hmm. I've been blessed to have some really aggressive kids – um, 
and I, you probably would agree with me. It's way, it's just easier to bat kids off than it is to teach kids how to be aggressive. Like exactly, some kids are really aggressive, and some kids aren't. So <laughs> yeah, so we've had some re- some kids that have been really really aggressive here. Um, that want to take the ball away from people that want to press. I mean, I go back to like we had Kennedy Benny here a couple years ago, and she was the defensive player of the year this last year at Briar Cliff. I mean, mm-hmm. and she set our steals record at our school. I mean, she just was a really, really aggressive kid. And, you know, and it just did the, the, na- the nature of her was I want to press, I want to do this. And that's. Those were the five seniors that I had last year. Those kids were really aggressive, and I'm and I'm lucky that I still have some more of those left coming in that are younger. So, mm-hmm. a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding, with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece, with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at apenandanapkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, apenandanapkin.com. Be sure to check out the Apenandanapkin video library. Um, so let's talk about your defensive philosophy here, coach. Okay. Uh, let's, let's take a look at that and, and kind of tying that in with your, with your offensive transition, your, your defensive attacking philosophy, uh, is, is going to work hand in hand with that, uh, a large amount of the time there. So, so what, what do you, what are you preaching there? What are you doing? Kind of the same thing there that we talked about with your transition offense. I think a couple of years ago, we decided that we were going to dedicate ourselves to full court defense on makes or misses. And I think, I think one of the best things about pressing people after misses is that typically you don't have a press break set up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you can get turnovers from people. If you have something, you know, some kind of pressure defense that you can get yourself into quickly after you miss. So over the last few years, I guess we've used, we typically use a zone press on makes and misses. And then on dead balls, we play full court man. And we do that in a, in a couple of different ways. Sometimes we put somebody on the ball. Sometimes we don't put somebody on the ball. We use an interceptor. It just depends on who we're kind of who we're playing. But mm-hmm. um, typically we, when we do that, we like when we, when we would set up a press, like our zone press, um, we designate two up two half and one back. So, you have to know where you're at. Whether we make it or miss it, you have to know if you're up, half, or back. And that's where those people are going. And we kind of use the numbers that we use when we run our transition. You know, you're a one, you're a two, you're a three, you're a four, you're a five. Mm-hmm. So the last couple of years, you know, typically our two and our three are up on our press, our one and our four are at half, and our five goes back. Mm-hmm. So our five always has to sprint back no matter what happens. So um, that's what we're, you know, what we're doing with press. Again, we're not doing anything that nobody's seen before. We're typically a two-two-one um, zone press team. Uh-huh. Um, we always press back to man, so we get back to man to man when we press. Um, and so can, you can end up with some odd matchups that way. Um, but we switch every screen anyway when we play half court defense. So you know, it doesn't really matter anyway. You have to know the scouting report. You have to know every kid on the other team because you're going to end up guarding every kid on the other team. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what we do. But just that whole idea of being aggressive and our word for defense has been toughness. Mm-hmm. And toughness to us is I want effort. I don't want to commit any stupid fouls. So I got to yeah. be mentally tough. That's one of the hardest things that we've tried to, that we've had to work through. Yeah, yeah. The, ni- the ninety-four footers away, yeah. you know. Yeah, we were slapping people eighty feet from the basket, and and so you know that's one of the things that we've had to 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 work on a lot. Just mm-hmm. what do I do when I get a kid in a trap? Like I'm not reaching in to grab the ball. Where should my hands be? Stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we 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 talk about that a lot in practice as well, and and we're trying to and and uh, to expand our. Uh, pressure system and and we're we're working our way into it and and so mm-hmm. forth and so on and uh but 
that's one thing that we really emphasize is you foul somebody at the at the other team's free throw line, especially if you're in the one and one. Well, that's you know you've basically just said, hey, you've made an 85 foot shot. You know that when when you foul that far away from the basket, you basically okay, you just drilled an 85 footer on us. So don't reach, mirror the ball, keep everything in front of you, you know, so forth and so on, and 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 then make them make a play. And the worst case scenario is if we do this right, we should have three people back in transition protecting the basket if we do it the right way. Yeah. You know? We've, I think we've, over the last couple of years, we used to pretty much be all man press. Mm-hmm. And I think what I found with zone pressing people is that if you're patient, a lot of times they'll make the mistake themselves. Correct. You know, they'll throw it out of bounds. They'll throw it to you as opposed to when you're man pressing, you like have to create more mm-hmm. of those, of those opportunities. Um, I'll be honest with you. We're like in our half, in our man, full court, man, we're really good at denying, at, you know, that original out of bounds on the, on the base. You know, if you're on the baseline, your own baseline, got to go full court. We're really, really good at switching everything and using the interceptor and doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not very good after people get the ball in bounds. Like mm-hmm. we don't do a very good job of running and jumping. It's probably just because I haven't worked on it enough, but like, so, I mean, there are things that like that, that we could really improve on, mm-hmm. but We've gone to more of a zone look over, you know, especially in live ball situations. It's hard to face guard people and get in front of them, mm-hmm. you know, after, after you make a free throw or after whatever. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. And then we have some other stuff that we do in the half court sometimes just, you know, we'll just trap the first pass or we'll trap the dribble. I mean, we just, we just have some words that we use and we just do some of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just different things that again, our kids enjoy because they get to be aggressive. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've had to live, I've had to make myself, you know, trust kids sometimes and you get two fouls in the first quarter and we've got to try to trust them and I get to work on things like that. So, sure. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, but they've gotten a lot better. The kids that I had last year got a lot better about not fouling and that was helpful. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the advantages of, of switching everything in the half court? Well, for us, we don't have any posts mm-hmm. like all of our kids are five, seven. So we, we try to switch and high hedge everything. Um, we work a lot on doubling the post. If we have to play somebody who has a post, so we'll double the post and rotate out of that. So you end up guarding, you know, you, you'll end up guarding every kid on the team anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it's just, it's just what we've always done. And so it just, the kids know how to do it now and it just makes it easier for for them rather than having to, you know, scrape over the top of screens or go under screens or, it, you know, that kind of, I mean, we've just always switched our screens and tried to get under rollers and, you know, make sure we're off on the backside because if we're going to get hurt on the roll, that's where we need to be at and things like that. So I mean, we don't really have a post. We when we play offense, we play five out. Sometimes yeah. when we play when we play zone offense, we're still playing five out. I've found that because we never work on posting people up and entering the ball into the post. That most of our kids are just not very good with their backs to the basket. We sure. are all of our kids are better when they're facing the rim. So that's mm-hmm. just what we're used to. <laughs> no, no, and 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 we're kind of the same way. Most of our kids. With the exception of of maybe one or two, we're all between five, six, and and five nine, and mm-hmm. and so we believe that again as we ho- you know continue to hopefully get better and continue to to improve in our program that mm-hmm. switching everything it, it, it the the matchup the individual matchup really doesn't matter. It's making Great. sure that we have five pioneers on five Oakland Craig Knights uh, as an example, you know, and, and if we just do that and, and people get caught up, especially at the high school level about, (laughs) you know, matchups and, Oh no, we've got a mismatch, you know, Susie's on number 12 and we don't want well, it's hard enough for the pros to exploit mismatches, let alone high school players. And, and I think that whole mismatch thing is really, really overrated. Uh, in my opinion, what do you think? No, I agree. I'm, and, and I think at our level, like it doesn't matter who we play. And I'm sure people say this about my team too. It doesn't matter who we play. Everybody we play probably has 
one or two kids on the court who are not really an offensive threat. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we try to tell our kids who those people are. So if you're guarding number 10 and we know that she's not a three point shooter, then we know that you have to be in the lane and help. So when we get maybe a quickness mismatch or something like that going on, that you have to be in the right place. Cause we're playing team defense. We're not playing individual defense anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things, but I, I agree with you. I'd, I mean, we, we, we end up with some, some tough matchups. And like I said, we just work a lot on if we do play teams that have posts, um, just doubling the post and rotating out. And honestly, at this point, we don't play a lot of teams that have, you know, true post players. You know what I mean, coach? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll still play a couple of teams that will try to have two posts. Yeah. Um, but we don't, we we might play two or three during the season. We, we played Lincoln Lutheran in the district final and they had some posts. I think <laughs> some girls that would post you up and they were big, but again, if you're playing team defense and our word is sneaky, you have to be sneaky. Like you can't hug your girl. You've got to dive in, dive out, dive in, dive out mm-hmm. and, you know, intercept that pass while it's in the air. And when she catches it, we'd go double you got to be aggressive. Like we're hands up behind our ears and we're going chest to chest and let's go get it. Cause you know, we're five, seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the way we've had, we have to play it as well. Cause you know, our biggest kid is five ten. If she curls her bangs, I think she'll be five eleven. but you know, and, and, and Bria, Bria, <laughs> yeah, Bria, Bria does a great job. Uh, but she's, you know, like I said, she's only five ten, and, and, and so, um, and I've had, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. I guess even though we're five, seven, I've had, I've been blessed that we've had kids who can really rebound. Like yeah, last year on my girls basketball team for the first time in 25 years, I had two girls that could bench press a plate. They could bench press 135 pounds. Mm-hmm. So they're strong kids, even though they're five, seven, you know what I mean? Sure. They can stand their ground and guard people that are bigger than they are. Mm-hmm. And and they want to and they rebound and they wanted to rebound. That was their job, and they knew that was their job. So, um, my one girl, Shay Johnson, she got a ton of rebounds. She didn't care if she ever scored a bucket, but she'd get ten rebounds a game, and it was awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah. let's let's uh, let's wrap up in that with that strength and, and conditioning in that weight room area. And that was okay. one of the things that you said you you wanted to talk about as well. So. What a, what uh, what can you tell us about your guys' program there at Oakland Craig? Obviously, uh, football program, like I said, has been really good, which usually affects other programs. And yeah. uh, you know, volleyball has been on the uptick. You guys have done a great job in basketball, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the culture of the weight room. And, and so, what have you done yeah. there that that you feel like has helped improve all your athletic programs? Well, I mean, I'll start in season. When we when we're in season, we 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 will lift two times a week, um, and we're in a situation here where we have to share a gym with the boys. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we don't start practice, you know, until five o'clock, and sometimes we practice at four or what, you know what I mean. So sure. sometimes, so we'll lift twice a week, and so sometimes we'll do that before practice. Sometimes we'll do that after practice. It just kind of depends on what our schedule is for that week, but. We've tried to steal some stuff from, oh, I stole stuff from the University of Texas and, and from UConn, just doing some non, it's supposed to be non-fatiguing um, weightlifting. So when we do box jumps, you know, we don't do three sets of 10. We do like three sets of four, you know, so we're, we're trying to do stuff like that. The other thing is I have a volunteer on staff, a guy named Chris Johnson, who is a, a physical therapist and he does a lot of athletic training stuff. So he does a good job of um, incorporating like some single leg exercises for our kids and, you know, things like that. A couple of years ago, we went through a rash of ACL injuries. Mm-hmm. We had three years, in a, three years in a row, we had a girl tear an ACL. So we've tried to go to a lot of jumping mechanic stuff, a lot of stuff where we're strengthening our ankles during the season, a lot of single leg stuff, but stuff that's non-fatiguing. So like I said, if we're going to do... Um, hex bar squat jumps, we're going to do three sets of three and we're going to do those three reps as hard as we possibly can, but we're not going to wear ourselves out because when we go practice, we don't want to be fatigued. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. In the summer, you know, I I don't, again, we're not doing anything probably that anybody else isn't doing. We we have our weight room open 
uh, three times a week for our girls. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, we lift every day together at eight o'clock in the morning. And that's every girl in our, in every program that we have in our school. So uh-huh. typically we'll have, oh, maybe between 25 and 30 girls there each day. Yep. And they'll lift hard for 45 minutes. And, but like I was saying before, one of my favorite things in our school, and I teach a couple of weightlifting classes, so I get to see this every day. One of my favorite things in our school is the attendance board that we have for our weight room because I look at it and I go, holy cow, we had, you know, 25 girls who showed up in the weight room and they never, I mean, some of them never miss. And sure. even if they do miss, and even if they do miss, they call me and say, coach, I missed a workout this morning. You know, can I go in this afternoon or do something like that? So yeah. it's pretty amazing just the the expectation that our older kids have set for our younger kids that this is what we're going to do and this is what it's going to look like. And just to continue with that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, you don't, that, that's a important element of success, realizing that, you know, that weight room and that shared suffering within the weight room is needed if you yes. want to feel good in, in, in our case in March, or if you're the volleyball yeah. team yeah. in middle yeah. of November or whatever it may be. Is, is that part of what has pushed things through, Scott? I think absolutely. And, and, you mentioned the volleyball team. Our volleyball coach, Becky Rennerfeld, is awesome. And she came here a few years ago. And prior to her being here, our volleyball kids would lift all summer. And then when August came around and they started volleyball practice, then they wouldn't lift anymore mm-hmm. until basketball season started. And then they start lifting again. And she has really done a great job. And I know she's not a morning person. She doesn't like getting up in the morning. But she's done a great job of getting all of those volleyball kids every Monday and Wednesday morning. They're in the weight room, you know, and that's hard sometimes because you've got a Tuesday night game in volleyball and you've got to get up on Wednesday morning and you've got to go lift weights. And so she's been all in on that. And that's done nothing but help you know, every kid, because it didn't make any sense to live for three months in the summer, two and a half months in the summer, and then yeah. take three months off and then come back and start it again. Yeah. So if, so if a kid wasn't in a weightlifting class and they weren't, they weren't getting any lift. So, uh, it's, it's, it's evolving and it's improved. And, uh, so, I mean, I'm grateful to her because she, she does that. And my daughter's not a volleyball player. She's a golfer. Um, but same thing, she goes in and lifts with the volleyball kids in the morning and they're, I mean, they don't care if she's a golfer. They just wanted a lift. <laughs> yeah. Ah, those Scottish ball strikers. They're a little goofy anyway, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Gus, great stuff this morning, man. I think that's a great place to stop. Uh, if, if folks want to learn more about you, want to learn more about Oakland Craig, uh, what are some uh, social media avenues they can look up? Uh, the only social media I'm really on is Twitter. So, at Scott Guzman, it's S-C-O-T-T-G-U-Z-M-A-N. So if anybody wants to talk to me, just have them DM me. And I'd be more than happy to talk to anybody about football, basketball, you know, commiserate about the Royals, whatever it is you want to do. It doesn't make any difference to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's where they can reach me at. Um And that, that's pretty much all my only social media. Oh, the... the uh the the royals um which is crazy to think when we were kids how dominant they were in the 80s and george brett frank white lonnie smith quizenberry you know know, yeah so it it was so fun and then it's like dang it i tell you it's it's hard to watch now i mean yeah be by the be by the a's again yesterday i don't know i don't know (laughs) well the uh they they are uh not to not to rub salt in your wounds but they have uh equaled the a's win total who are on a record breaking uh in a negative way pace of of wins uh this season so far uh my beloved chicago cubs are still above 500 right now so yeah i'm gonna consider that a victory so i hey i i would and you know, I used to love it when the. Not, I know we're going to be done. We're going to delve into this now. I, I mean, I, I used to love the Cubs too when they were on WGN every day, and you could listen oh, to absolutely. Harry Carey and Steve Stone. And now Hi. it's like, I can't, now it's like I can't, I can't, I can't find them anywhere. So I got, I don't have MLB TV or anything. So I just, yeah. I turn on baseball. The only thing I can watch is the Royals, and now I don't want to watch it anymore. Jeez. <laughs> no, so, I, 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 I completely agree with you. It's, it's. Uh, 
you know, that's the reason why, and, and my story is no different than millions of other uh, men and women our age. Uh, you you got home every day and you turned on Harry Carey and Steve Stone on, on WGN, on, and, and that's how... That's that's how when you win a World Series for the first time in 108 years, you have six million people come out to celebrate it. I mean, seriously. And uh, yeah. as a Cubs fan, it's it's really disappointing not to have the Cubs on uh, on WGN, and you just kind of lose touch with it a little bit, you know. So, uh, I know. but uh, it is what it is. We'll we'll recover. We'll recover. So. Well, hey, uh, Scott Gazinski, head girls basketball coach at Oakland Craig. Uh, great stuff this morning, coach. Really appreciate your time. Uh, glad to have you on the podcast here. Hope it was good for you. Hope you enjoyed being on here. It was fun. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, hey, Scott, hold the line here real quick. I'm just going to wrap things up. Uh, okay. Again, Scott Gazinski, a terrific coach at Oakland Craig. Uh, really, really good team this year. Got to see them up close and personal. Uh, thank you for the butt whooping in our in our jamboree <laughs> last year. You guys kind of uh, shot out like a powder keg. Like you'd been waiting eight months to, to and that's why I told the, our kids after the game. I, you know, they've been waiting eight months to jump on somebody, and we just happened to be the team that they played first. And uh, But uh, really good team last year. Uh, you know, hopefully this year in our jamboree we're able to uh, play a little, uh, you know, tougher than what we did last year. We had some injuries at that point as well. We were down a few kids. And, and uh, you know, so I, I think we're getting closer to being at your level. We just got to keep taking it one day at a time and use that 1% better thing. But, uh uh, want to thank Scott for being on here. Uh, again, thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Biggest thing you can ask you to do after listening to this podcast: download, rate, review. Give us five stars. Give us a written uh, recommendation. Uh, you know, that's the stuff that really, really helps out the pod, which helps out the Twitter, which helps out the website, all the different things there. And of course, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Again, privilege and a pleasure to have. Scott Gazinski, head girls basketball coach from Oakland Craig on the podcast here this week. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day.